This podcast contains strong language. If you would like a beeped version, well, it doesn't exist. Sorry about that. Enjoy. Welcome to How to Survive Your Life. I'm Molly Merwin, and I'm joined as always by Daisy Earl and Kaylee Cassidy. How are you, survivalist? How is your week? How is everything going? I got to say, I'm much better this week than I was last week because everything is right back where it should be. I am judge. As last week, we had Daisy as the judge, and well, we know all know how that went. Ladies, how are you? How are you doing? How is your week? Yeah, good. I'm just watching two little builders outside my window. They're being really cute, like handing each other sandwiches and sitting on the scaffolding. <laughs> That's so pure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm watching two co-workers. Yeah, two people working. Do, do you need a Do you need a help? I could make them sandwiches. I could be their sandwich maker. I love sandwiches. I love making sandwiches. I love eating them. Yesterday was a wonderful day. It was bright and sunny and I oh. went for a massive walk and I, yeah, I loved it. I loved being in the sun. It wasn't actually that cold. I opened my jacket for 10 minutes as I was walking up a hill. And then obviously on Sunday it snowed and I, I really like walking in snow when it's settled and it's like a little, you, look, you can hear the imprint go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Through it. So I did a lot of that. I was just stamping in it, just listening to it like, yeah. Uh, I love seeing the snow. My thing is, if it's going to be cold, I want it to snow. Because a lot of times if it's cold, I just don't want to go outside or it's like gray and cold. I'm like, oh, the snow makes everything pretty. And it was like proper snow. Like when I first heard we were going to get snow, I was like, eh, it's not going to be anything. But I was like, holy crap, it's like proper big flake snow. Mm. And it was gorgeous. I loved it. Daisy, how was your week? How was your um, snow? I love the snow. I've been doing loads of walks and I think that that's the one good thing to come out of like lockdown and this whole pandemic is that I always yeah. walked, but there were so many like nature walks and woodlands and stuff that's near me that I just never knew about because I was always too busy to kind of yeah. look for them. And that's the one thing I hope that like when the world goes back to normal, I keep doing is like finding different walks because the socialist in me just think that like public footpaths are like the best thing in the world because it means no one because I feel like if they were like I don't know if they could I feel people would charge for them like if it wasn't a public footpath and that wasn't already a thing. Daisy, yeah. I obviously obsessed with walking and I'm writing a memoir about the Camino at the moment. Oh, lovely. And part of my research is I'm looking at a book by Rebecca Solnit called Wanderlust and it's amazing. It talks about the history of pedestrianism. Oh, yeah. And amazing. it talks about how walking, you weren't, if you were poor, you could not walk only like around the dangerous parts of town. Walking was, a, especially in England, a rich man's, thing really? they owned all the land and they cut it off so oh lake right. district used to be privately owned and you couldn't go around no and walk around it way. ages ago yeah but then you know the national trust buying it making it like an area of beauty yeah. means you can sometimes you pay and go and walk there or you can just go and walk there but it hasn't yeah. always been that way in england well yeah like all the parks used to be like all the city par- like um, like for example st james park was a deer park for henry the eighth exactly. so no public yeah. nobody could go on there and green park was i forgot what kings but their park so like the public wouldn't be able to and go you'd get on shot there. if you did so, imagine that fear like yeah. i want to go for a walk i'm just gonna risk it who cares if i get shot 
Uh, I, yeah, I love walking. I, oh, Kaylee, you're inspiring me. Like yesterday, I, cause some days when it's like cold, I'm like, eh, it's too cold for me to go out. Cause even though I did live in Colorado three years, I am still a Georgia girl. So I'm like, it's cold. But yesterday, if you just get over it, you just bundle up. I, yesterday I went out for a walk and I, cause I love walking when I moved here. Cause I didn't have, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have anything to do. I would just walk mm, everywhere. Yeah. I would walk from my place to London. It would take me like an hour, hour and a half or a little less. And, um, but I loved yeah. it. And I, that's how I got to know the city. And I would walk with my husband to work sometimes. If, if we left early when it was like nice out, we'd walk to his, to his office and we go through like Regent's part towards the end. And again, it would take like a long time, but I'm like, well, I got nothing else so, to do. It's so funny though, because as women as well, walking is such, we, we all walk now, but yeah, we're, women walking, there's a lot of adversities in that in itself, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. You made me think of when I first moved to London, I did, I like was looking for work and stuff and I used to walk everywhere. Now one hour was nothing. I remember doing a ukulele yeah. hootenanny in my first year. I lived in Hearn Hill. The ukulele hootenanny was in Hoxton I walked from Hearn Hill to Hoxton it Holy took two cow. and a half three hours wow it was mad I used to walk everywhere I it was a way of getting to know the city and working it out in my head because when you're on the tube you can't work out London on the buses you can in the time <laughs> before I would you know I might do stuff in the morning and then I would like walk to a cafe to like work and then when I was in grad school I probably walked just under four miles a day just to get to, to and mm. from school, just yeah. getting to and from school. Some people take the bus. I'm like, I can walk faster than the bus or it's the same amount of time. <laughs> no, wonderless. I'm going to look that. It's really good. And it, ta it takes a long time because it's too. quite academic, but in a good way. And it, and it also yeah. talks about the the original, like how we were on four legs as humans and we became bipedalism, which has been on two legs because to walk across the desert, you could go further without getting as hot if you were on two legs. So we trained ourselves to go on two legs so that we could go wow. further distances. Yeah. It's a really amazing book. This might be a controversial opinion, but I currently don't know if I agree with the limitation on where you can travel for exercise because at the moment... I agree with that. It's like, I don't know what the actual rule is. I think, is it seven miles maybe? But I don't know. It's, it's so, so the idea is that you can't drive technically to go and exercise. But I think that's kind of unfair because I think, what about the people that's such a lottery based on where you live? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you live next to beautiful countryside, then like, great. But if you don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems to be, yeah. I know that you shouldn't like drive to Snowdonia, obviously, yeah. but I think it should be like maybe within your county, like maybe just yeah. don't leave your county as opposed to, you know. No, I, I think that like when people come to London and they drove through, like my mum's boyfriend's a truck driver. So he's always doing deliveries around and he, he's like, oh, you know, you can't even, you can't believe it. It's not like there's a pandemic in London. Everyone's out on the street. It's like London has millions of people and nowhere to walk. Of course, the streets are busy yeah. with people walking because everyone's yeah. going out at least once a day. You need to and you yeah. have to. Not everyone's yeah. got a garden. London no. and that's why it looks busy it's not exactly. because people are just always out of the house all the time it's because of the density of the city 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say two, two thoughts on that. Cycling. I feel like with cycling, you can go further because I know like I'm not the biggest Boris Johnson fan, but he, people, he was getting crap for being seven miles away from Downing Street, which I understand. At the same time, he was cycling and like cycling, you can get further in a short amount of time. So like to Daisy's point, I don't like to give Boris Johnson anything. Well, I, do, I don't think you can be the judge anymore. I can't actually believe what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but I, I thought that because I think like call him out for shit that matters. Like yeah, I hate those exactly. news stories. I almost feel like the Tory government would push that news story forward because they know people will get distracted talking about it. And it's yeah. like, that's not the issue. Like, yeah. what's the, like, wait for universal credit? Is it six weeks still? Like, yeah. that yeah. for me is an issue. What are people meant to survive on in those yeah. six weeks? Like, most people don't have savings. So literally how were they meant to get by like this is our podcast is how to survive your life i'm like this is finally yeah. i have a relevant tip like have better <laughs> legislation so that the minute someone needs some money they yeah. get it then because otherwise what are they meant to do and i feel like that is something that everyone should have a big debate about and really give a shit about like whether yeah. he exercises i don't give a fuck like exercise what you want to yeah. exercise i don't care do you think you think that they do it because something going down in the Brexit world and they're like we don't want anyone to know about this so get Boris Johnson yeah. on a bike in Newquay and say you know he's been a dick because that but will take I, all the attention away from our Tory decisions about Brexit I gen yeah I genuinely think they do because it's a really like low jeopardy story nobody really cares that deeply either way and if you get every news outlet and every you know Facebook feed distracted going on about whether or not he should be in a bike every time when there's one of those stories it's a bit mundane I always think what are you yeah. doing like what are you getting away with now <laughs> <laughs> there's also nothing else to talk about right so it's like oh he's he's too far let's talk about that yeah also, Kaylee, I got to disagree with your mom's boyfriend because we went for a cycle Sunday. Uh, no, not Sunday, Sunday before. And we went through because I was like, we're on a lockdown. I've, I want to go through central London. I never thought I would be on a cycle on central London. I want to see it. And I have gone a few times. Like I've, I've cycled Green Park and gone by Buckingham Palace. There's like nobody there, which is bizarre. And then, you know, gone down there, but we actually cycled on like Oxford Circus and Regent Street. It was so bizarre because there were people out, but compared to what it normally would be on a Sunday, I was, it was to the point of our show, apocalyptic, apocalyptic, Molly, I love that you didn't think to learn how to say that word before the apocalypse episode. Apocalyptic, apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. Think about a street in London. I live in Broccoli, yeah. a street in Broccoli. Now, every single house on this street has three flats with three yeah. different groups of people living in them. However, in Torquay, every single house is mainly just a house. And so yeah. you've got way more people, like three times as many people living on a street as you do in Torquay. So if you're in the like suburbs of London, it looks it looks busy, but it yeah. could be busier. Imagine if everybody, this would be a weird apocalypse. Like, you know, when you walk towards somebody and they're walking towards you and you go that way and then you go that way and then you go that way and then you go that way. And you're like, is yeah. this going to go on forever? Yeah. When is this going to stop? Yeah. And imagine if we all decided to go out for a walk 
at the same time? Like what would happen? <laughs> oh my God, it'd be madness. Speaking of the apocalypse, that is our subject today because we are living through it. I got to say, if we were doing this episode a year ago, I don't think I'd be as good of a judge because I think it'd also be a lot of like, well, I can imagine this would happen. I would imagine I would react in that way. But because of the last year, I know exactly what would happen and I know exactly how I re would react. So that's what we're doing this week. We are doing how to survive the apocalypse because we are all surviving it and trying to live through it. As you know, each week, Daisy and Kaylee bring three top tips on a given subject and they present it through three rounds. And then as the judge, I decide who tip is better. I give points. Now, if you listened to last week, last week we did how to survive birthdays. If you haven't listened to that episode, that's okay. Just go back and listen to it when you get a chance. Daisy, it was Daisy's birthday on the day that we recorded. And so Daisy as for her birthday present. We let Daisy be the judge. And I got to say, Daisy, I think you were inspiring as a judge. Well, I really do. Well, I do. What? I Making herself win. How is yeah. that inspiring? Listen, no, listen, listen, and also, Katie, I, I think... was quite the monster. <laughs> so I'm yeah, a bit no, worried. Don't be, don't be like Daisy. You're fine as you are, Molly. <laughs> listen. No, listen. I think when each of you have, have been the judge, you both have inspired me in different ways. And, you know, Daisy just gave a bunch of points, took a bunch of points, some would say ruthlessly. And I think that was inspiring. So because of that, I'm going to give Daisy five points right off the bat Woo! for being inspiring. <laughs> I love this new judging. <laughs> I'm so glad because on that note, everyone knows it's rude to upstage the judge. So I'm going to give you negative seven points what? right off the bat. So you are starting at negative two. Thank you for inspiring me so much. <laughs> and Kayla, you were at not. Happily, happily. I, I'm always <laughs> at not. I'm fine with that. You know, you know, there's like the mom and the dad and they're the main characters. And I'm just like the little pet that sort of like looks in the background, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Can I have a biscuit? Blend it, please. <laughs> okay. So with that said, we are going to start how to survive the apocalypse. Daisy, you did win the last episode. And I don't mean the episode that you judged. I meant the episode before that. And so you will begin. So Daisy, what is your first top tip for surviving the apocalypse? Okay. My first top tip is to pick a good location. So Save on Energy ranked the best UK cities in terms of sustainability that people could survive in in apocalypse, like if they were self-contained. So like where the best places were for like, I don't know, farming or fresh water or shelter. Like, so if there was an apocalypse, where to go? So they... I my advice would be moved to Swansea because in their top three were Swansea, Cambridge, and Belfast. Now, Swansea was number one, but I think also I would recommend it. Oh no, sorry, Cambridge was first, but I would up Swansea would be my number one. <laughs> I'm very articulate. Obviously, I would be great in an apocalypse because I'd be like, guys, I have a plan. But Swansea, because I think Welsh people are incredibly friendly. I love Welsh people. I think Wales is one of the most beautiful countries in the world, like mm. genuinely. And I just think yeah. you would have quite a nice time in Swansea. Whereas I've never been to Cambridge, but I imagine the people of Cambridge, because of the union stuff, are probably quite 
quite snobby. That's just my perception. And I just worry if you went there, you would end up rooting for the zombies. Do you mean? Because (laughs) I find very posh people, unless they're old, are old posh people. I fucking love them. Do you mean? If you're like over 80 and you're super posh, I could hang out with you all day. But unless you're old and posh, young posh people make me want to just shoot myself in the tit like I find them just too wow that is such a vicious image honestly they grate on me there them and their jack wills wearing green welly fucking oh I'm lighting a candle again horse shit I don't have time for them so in Cambridge (laughs) I'd be like let the apocalypse begin and end. Like, I can't be with any of you. So definitely not there. Belfast. Now, Belfast would be a good place to be because I often find the Belfast accent very confusing because I find it sort of very attractive, but also quite Mm -hmm. terrifying. And that's a weird mix. I don't know how to feel about it. Like, a man with a Belfast accent always just is like, very, very alluring, but also frightening. And then that sort of adds to the law. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel, I think I'd feel safe <laughs> in a weird way. Like I think they would, they would, you know, probably win. Wait, why do you think a Belfast accent is terrifying? I don't, it's just the way that it's a very sharp accent. Do you mean it's just the way they, the, the actual accent itself is very, very like to the point. So I, uh, I just think, yeah, I can't do a Belfast accent to prove my point, I but it is. It's just a lot of R's. Yeah. Like, did either of you guys watch The Fall? No, no. I really want to. With all the lovely backgrounds and like no, storytelling. It was with that guy who's in Fifty Shades of Grey and he's. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have not it seen was it. a series with Julian Anderson. Yeah. Ah. And it was set in Belfast. And he's like, yeah. not a nice character in it. Like, he sort of like murders loads of people. And yet, because of his accent and also what he looks like, I was like, no, I still probably would, though. Do you know what I mean? I'd just be like, <laughs> let's not talk about the murder. Anyway, anyway. Well, now I don't need to watch it. I can't believe, I can't believe you said I would. Like, that for me is a really old school saying I would <laughs> I would and Daisy Earl just said I like it <laughs> I felt that though there was a there was a show called Taboo with Tom Hardy and oh, yeah. in it, he's in love with his sister and I did think I've never like I would never fancy my brother but my brother is not Tom Hardy like <laughs> if my mum said tomorrow like this is just I think where you should question your morals because if my mum said look I gotta sit you down and tell you something Tom Hardy film and TV's famous Tom Hardy he is actually your brother like I gave him up at birth biologically full brother I still would do you mean I just be like we didn't grow up together it doesn't feel that weird to me I said yeah you know? yeah I think it's so hypothetical that it's safe you know yeah I because it's 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 not I gonna mean, happen Daisy <laughs> Okay, just ruined my dreams of Tom Hardy being my incestuous brother. Anyway, um, <laughs> always got to tread on things, Cassidy. But my my plan for the apocalypse would be to just round all the zombies off and give them Birmingham, just like <laughs> like of like course. a sheep, a sheep. You know, um, what do you, not sheep tamer? What's it? A herder, a sheep herder, like a sheep dog, and you'd get them all just sort of rounded off into Birmingham and then we just close that off 
and let it burn. (laughs) (laughs) And that is my tip number one. Move to Swansea and get the zombies to Birmingham. I forgot. I need to remember that part. I do feel like it's two tips. Get the zombies to Birmingham. Or maybe get the zombies to Birmingham is the name of like a new children's story. (laughs) (laughs) Get the zombies to Birmingham, they said. (laughs) Is that your response, Kaylee? No, no. My response is that I felt like Scotland was left out. We had England. We had Wales. We had Ireland, Northern Ireland. But we didn't have Scotland. I know. I think Scotland would be organised, though, and build a big fuck-off wall and not let the zombies in to begin with. (laughs) We are zombies to Scotland. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Thank you, Daisy. Kaylee. what is your first top tip for surviving the apocalypse? Okay, so my first top tip is I've never actually survived an apocalypse yet. Currently surviving one. True. Although my parents' divorce was pretty close. Mom. What's that noise at the window? It's just meteors, darling. Mom, why is the front door smashed? That's an earthquake, darling. Mom, why are the car tires all popped? Oh, they must have all just popped at the same time. Crazy that. But anyway, this first tip is all about helping me through this current apocalyptic scenario that we're in. So it is do a jigsaw puzzle. It's mindful, it's calm, it's a great metaphor for looking at the bigger picture slowly but surely. Now, there are lots of different jigsaw puzzles that you can do. You can have a wooden one. They're really quite simple. They're for toddlers, you know, the ones with the handles. (laughs) And you can also do adult jigsaws. Now, I was surprised to find out that adult jigsaws aren't raunchy. They're actually (laughs) just more difficult. <laughs> I love that surprise you about all this. Great. Yeah, I wanted some porn. <laughs> <laughs> they do have, have those kind of jigsaws, just so you know. Oh, I couldn't find any. They? Must have been my child. Oh lot. yeah. I oh yeah. That's so funny. But who is that for? Like who is like I like my porn in pieces. And then when they get to put it all together, it's like, oh, there's a vagina. What do you mean? I know. That's the other thing. It's like, I wonder if it has like a little ball sack as a piece <laughs> and a nipple as a piece. Like, or if if it's a massive, massive cock, then it could just be a penis <laughs> or a jigsaw puzzle. A bunch of yeah. Anyway, let's move away from that because that's not my top tip. So I started my jigsaw puzzling career with a cat puzzle. And that was when I lived on the boat. I did that one. I began with that. And then for Christmas this year, I got a present off my friend Becky and it was a Sherlock Holmes jigsaw puzzle. It's actually registered as one of the top 10 jigsaw puzzles in the world because really? yeah, you do the jigsaw puzzle and then afterwards you solve the murder mysteries. Oh. oh, cool. So I've been doing that every morning. I'm really getting into it. I've done the edges. So that's my top tip for jigsaw making is start with the edges and then using one side of the box put in all the people piece pieces and then using the other side of the box put in all the building pieces now some jigsaw puzzles and i think if you're a jigsaw puzzle maker this is a top tip for you include a picture of the jigsaw puzzle on a separate bit of paper because most jigsaw puzzles I did when I was little only had the picture on the box. Mm. And sometimes the box has a price tag on it or it has mm. like a big thing on it. And it 
you're not able yeah. to see the detail there. So I think you always need to have a bit of separate paper because then you can use the box for keeping the jigsaw puzzle pieces because, oh my gosh, you do not want to lose a piece of the jigsaw. That would be so distressing. <laughs> that would be the worst way to spend an apocalyptic scenario was doing a jigsaw puzzle, getting to the end and feeling like you're crazy because you don't know where that last piece is. Country Living, that was the article I found for top jigsaws. It shares the top 30 jigsaws. Some of them are famous works of art, which I think is great. We can't go to museums or art galleries at the moment. Why not do a jigsaw puzzle of The Great Wave or The Kiss or um, I can't think anymore. <laughs> it's been a while. I think it helps you pay close attention to things. So with artworks, you're really paying attention to it because you're looking at it as little bits and what makes it up yeah like you I imagine that this is a bit of a wild analogy but I imagine that's what stalkers are doing now that they can't actually stalk people anymore <laughs> so they're, just getting, <laughs> they're just getting their like object of stalkation on a jigsaw puzzle and then just stare and just putting that together and that's how they're stalking them because COVID has made stalking very difficult, which is a bonus of it. <laughs> there's, a donut, there's a donut puzzle, which I think would make me donuts every day. So I'm not going to do that one. There's an impossibly clear jigsaw puzzle, which sounds impossible because it's li yeah. literally clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's a challenge for some people who I know like to challenge. And there's also a Where's Bowie one. That would be fun. And Aww. there's also a Frida Kahlo one, which I'd like that one. And then there's also a novelty one, which is an Indian takeaway in a takeaway box. Whoa. Wow. So yeah, they were just my suggestions if you were wanting an extra calm activity to do, do a jigsaw. Awesome. Thank you, Kaylee. Daisy, your response. Well, I like this, I but I like jigsaws. The only thing is, so I have actually a jigsaw app on my phone, but I've stopped doing real jigsaws. And I'll tell you why. I get when I start something like that, so focused on it that I actually find it honestly difficult to walk away from until it's completed. So like, like a half done jigsaw to me, I find very troubling. Like I I just, it would keep distracting me like, oh, I need to get that final bit in. So I wouldn't leave it alone. And that's why, I mean, I know I'm now like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a dark side of jigsawing, but I just think... <laughs> Losing a couple of hours to jigsawing is lovely, but when you're like me and you're like living in your mum's spare room and sort of a little bit unemployed, there are better ways to spend <laughs> to spend your hours. Trust so me, there aren't. There aren't. No, the only best way is by doing a jigsaw. Trust me, you will work through your shit by doing a jigsaw. I do have an idea though. You know how you said the worst thing is losing a piece of your jigsaw? amazing passive aggressive gift giving if you just mm. gave someone a jigsaw yeah. and had pre-removed a key part <gasps> that's cruel yeah i i can be cruel molly <laughs> i know that would be so uh, funny okay thank you kaylee thank you daisy uh real quick on jigsaws my mom we would do jigsaws together a lot and i if this tells you anything about me as a young child and how much of a nerd was i was i would do cat jigsaws and um glue them and put them up in my bedroom and so you'd come in my bedroom and there was a bunch of jigsaws put together of cats 
That's how uh, much of a nerd I was. Oh, I think that's cute. I think it's sweet. It's it's a little sad, but sweet. I loved my cat jigsaws. I I honestly really don't think it's sad to do a cat jigsaw puzzle, having been a 32-year-old doing cat jigsaw puzzles through the first lockdown. So, Okay, so great. So round one, we have a pick a good location, particularly Daisy says Swansea. And Tim, if it's a zombie apocalypse, put all those zombies in Birmingham and just wall it off. And then for Kaylee, do a jigsaw puzzle puzzle because it's mindful and it helps you look at the big picture. So I really like both of these, but having currently living through an apocalypse, I think kind of also towards what we were talking about before, I think location is key. So I'm going to give two points to Daisy for pick a location, pick a good location, maybe Swansea. I haven't been to Swansea, but as you said, like I love Wales, so I'd imagine it's beautiful. Imagine if we said that and Swansea's actually a shithole and just none of us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like right now, I think, because we thankfully have a garden, but when we first moved here, we had a tiny flat and it was at a tiny balcony. And I just keep thinking about the people who are living in that flat now. And I just feel for them because it would fucking suck. And even now, if we didn't have a garden, we do have a, a park. We have two parks. Well, we have a park nearby. And then if you walk another like 15 minutes, there's another park. So we have a couple parks near us. So that's nice. So having a good location during apocalypse, I can say from experience, is essential. Um, and so do you think that's a helpful tip for people like who are working class and who can't just uh, move wherever they want for the apocalypse? Do you think that's, that's a helpful tip? Because I don't. I'm the judge, Kaylee. I'm someone who has no garden and balcony. Well, I'm just, I'm just sticking up for the the listeners. Kaylee, I hadn't done talking, and as you know, I have been inspired by Daisy's vengeful nature as a judge. So I would mind interrupting your judge. So right now, that's a Daisy at zero points, still zero points, because she got, she was at negative two. She now has two points. To Kaylee's point, though, if you are in a situation where you can't move right now, you're screwed for various reasons, a jigsaw would be nice or some kind of game. So I am going to give Kaylee a point, but then I think I'm going to take a point away for her her back mouth there. Is that the word? <laughs> you call back it back chat, mouth? Molly, not That's back not mouth. <laughs> back mouth. What is it? Molly, I love it when you're strict because it really doesn't suit you. I'm going to take a point for her back mouth okay miss molly you do that <laughs> back mouth no there's something to do with mouth and somebody's smart mouth smart mouth for your smart mouth <laughs> i'm glad my mouth is smart it's all i could have wanted from going to university twice my mom used to say you watch your smart mouth it was a negative thing when my mom said it so we are now both at zero points Woo-hoo. going into round two Okay, and with that, Daisy, what is your second top tip for surviving the apocalypse? Okay, my second top tip is check nobody is Darren Browning you, and I will tell you why. So, in 2012, (laughs) Darren Brown, he convinced a teacher named Stephen Brosnan, who was like a young guy in his 20s who just seemed like a relatively nice guy, but Darren Brown wanted to find someone who he didn't feel had a lot of confidence or appreciated their life enough and appreciating their life was key. So he then, and it was based on this idea from stoicism. So the the show was called Apocalypse. And in the show, 
Darren Brown said Seneca's advice, so Seneca was a Stoic, Stoic philosopher, Seneca's advice, for example, to consider the mortality of your daughter as you kiss her goodnight may strike us as morbid, but to remind yourself regularly that your loved one's your home, in fact, everything you value might be taken away in an instant is to value them so much more. So it was this idea that if this guy, he didn't appreciate his life enough if he went through this sort of experiment or whatever you want to call it, where he genuinely thought the world had ended and it was a zombie apocalypse, when he then came out of that, he would have a new appreciation for what he already had. So that's the kind of idea of stoicism. It's like not getting what you want, it's wanting what you have, right? So that's that's the idea of it, it's to appreciate things. So Darren Brown does this huge budget production where basically this guy wakes up in what he thinks is like a military hospital. And there's like a government message coming up from what looks like a head of the army on the TV screen playing on a loop. Like basically it's terrifying. So it's like the apocalypse has started, the infected of, you know. Holy shit. Yeah. So this guy wakes up and you can see the man is genuinely terrified. And then Darren Brown throughout the show sets him tasks and it's kind of based on the Wizard of Oz. So you know how in the Wizard of Oz, like the lion needed to get courage and the the scarecrow wanted a brain and the Tin Man wanted a heart. So it's something, there was a mm-hmm. task where he, and as you go through, it's like going through his journey, like going through the Wizard of Oz. So he has these different challenges. So the one for the heart is there's an actress there who's actually an adult actress, but she not adult in the sense of like dirty jigsaw puzzles. puzzles. <laughs> I mean, adult, like she's over age, but she looks incredibly young. So she's playing the part of this child. So he has to like sort of save her or protect her. Like, and then he'll learn like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, I, I would have saved someone. So he looks after her and he does these different tasks, but it's done. There's this huge production value. So there's like explosions, this huge cast of extras who are zombies. So this guy truly thinks he's trying to get to like this checkpoint to get to the apocalypse. When he gets there, so he gets to what he thinks is like a safe base near Wales he sees um, messages from his family on what's meant to be like a wailing wall, you know, like when people leave messages for loved ones. So he now at this point is not sure whether his family are alive or dead. They've left these messages for him. And then there's this scene in the show where he is leaving because he can leave a message at the wailing wall. So they set it up so he finds a video there, like as in a video camera. And he does this message to his family and he does it at night when he thinks the little girl has gone to sleep, like because he doesn't want her to be scared. And it is so moving and so sad that you can tell this guy at this point in this experiment truly thinks that his family are probably dead and he doesn't know if he'll find them. And it's like, I remember watching it and being like heartbroken on his behalf. And then they have to, so I can't, I I watched it years ago and I can't remember how uh, it kind of climaxes to a point that it's like they have to get over this wall and then the zombies are approaching them. And then Darren Brown turns up, puts him into hypnosis He wakes up in his real home the next morning, comes down the stairs in tears as if he's had this terrible nightmare, hugs his mum and dad and is like, oh, I love all of you. I had this awful dream. And he's just really dazed and confused, right? But here's my problem with this whole show. 
in the VT of this guy, inverted commas, not appreciating his life, he was mildly, and I mean mildly discourteous at one point to his mother. Like, she was like, oh, do you want dinner? And he's like, I don't care about dinner. I'm playing Xbox. Like, it was not, he didn't do anything wrong. So, like, firstly, when so then Darren Brown turns up the next morning, is like, ha, huh, I Darren Brown to you. You're welcome. You'll appreciate your life now. <laughs> I'd be, if that was me, I would be oh my glorious. God. I'd be like, you made me think my family were dead because you thought that I didn't appreciate my life. I'd be like, fuck you, Darren Brown. I yeah. would be so mad. And this guy is such a good sport about it. And like, I looked up his Twitter. So he now, the guy that was in it, Stephen Brosnan, is like a, a SEND. He's still a teacher, but he's a SEND manager. So like a special education needs manager. So Is he a COVID denier? No, he's not. I mean, imagine. No. I, I mean, can you imagine, yeah. though, after going through yeah. that? He's probably like, COVID's not real. This is just Darren Brown. Darren, you know, yeah, you're at it again. But so he's obviously done, done well for himself. And like, he's a SEND teacher and I love SEND teachers. So like, Aww. he's fine. And he just puts like, and he actually has a quote from Epictetus, which is uh, another Stoic philosopher. He has this quote that I think is a, he's like clipped from the show that says he's a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for which he has. So obviously he sort of embraced this whole Thing, and there was like a mild controversy after the show that he was an actor, but actually it's because he looked very like another someone who really was an actor. So they mm. had to like film a clip of the two of them together so the guy could be like, I'm not him. <laughs> but Darren Brown said he was hurt at the time that people thought that this thing, like he might have been an actor. And I just thought, yeah, but Darren Brown, I would be hurt if you felt that I needed to feel like my family had died yeah. in order to appreciate things. So I just think, you know, maybe because now, I mean, this obviously will mess with people's worldviews. But what if this is like the Truman Show? What if it's not even real? What if you guys are actors and you've been employed? So I, you know, I just I think haven't been should... employed. I'm still yeah. waiting to be employed. <laughs> I think we should all check whether we're being Darren Brown. But also the thing about Darren Brown, in this show, the guy does the right thing all the time. So he like Aww. does save the little girl and he does do all the things that are meant to show like he's good. I always think, imagine if someone on the show did the wrong thing yeah. what if the little girl was like oh help me and he's like fuck you i'm running the rest of his <laughs> natural born life he would have to know that in a in that situation he would abandon a child he would never have had to know that so i'm just saying i mean i may have lost my point slightly along the way but check no one is darren browning you is my just check it actually is the apocalypse that's all i'm saying I'm not saying deny COVID, though, to be clear. That's a real thing. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Daisy. Kaylee, your response. I think that Darren Brown thinks that he's the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's just like he's lifted the story out of the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, but he's not picked Scrooge. He's picked a boy who's just once said he didn't want his dinner yeah. <laughs> I would have so much deep rage if I found I out to me because oh. you wouldn't trust people ever again and mm -hmm. it would be 
so difficult to be like, why didn't you just sit me down and speak to me and say, I feel like you don't appreciate me. Why did you go to Sarah Brown and get a multi-million pound film crew to pretend <laughs> Actually, to be fair, if someone did that for me, I'd be like, it must be love. <laughs> Thank you, Kaylee. And with that, Kaylee, what is your second top tip for surviving the apocalypse? So my second top tip, I guess I'll come to it in a minute. I've got my spiel as always first. So apocalypse films are quite heavy, especially now watching them. Sort of try and stay away from watching them. And we're also living through it. Exactly. We're in a film. And maybe I'm being dramatic, but for some people like my dad, closing pubs and bookies is the end of the world. So, (laughs) you know, it is the apocalypse for him. (laughs) I guess it's quite tricky to watch Contagion at the moment. Have you seen that one? That's trending on Netflix since March. I've not watched it intentionally. It's like it's too difficult soon. to watch it because yeah. it is pretty much this scenario. However, yeah. the different thing is that the vaccine is the little prince on the horse galloping to save the princess and everything's okay when the vaccine comes along. However, in reality, it takes a long time and it's a very long road to recovery, even with the vaccine coming along. Talking of roads, that's another <laughs> apocalyptic film slash book. Uh, the road I was reading the road I started and I had to put it down it was too much so instead I picked up Jacqueline Wilson's Girls in Love (laughs) (laughs) much easier than the road but I'll come back to the road if and when my road gets better so how to survive the apocalypse it's a very good question I guess I would say try and get an Irish passport and avoid watching Jumanji which I think is the worst of all the apocalypse movies Jumanji as in the 1995 original it's just like coronavirus Alan Parrish whose father owned a shoe factory plays a board game with his friend Sarah Whittle And then he gets sucked into the game forever. And she feels like she's been Darren Browned. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everyone thinks she's crazy. She becomes a psychic. And then two kids come along, find the game, start playing it. And then it's just variant after variant after variant. Yeah, You've got a wedding with 200 people is the equivalent of the plant coming out and swallowing your leg. You've got... um, (laughs) A rave in Hackney Arches with over 300 people. That's basically like the monsoon happening, making things worse. And then you've got Dominic Cummings, who would clearly be the hunter. um, (laughs) Oh, yes! to the blueberry hills to check his eyesight and shoot a few hopes and dreams yeah so i think jumanji is just so stressful and it gets worse and worse and worse but because it's a film you know it's gonna get better and i think that is the take away from all of this it gets worse before it gets better Right now with us in England, I know if you're listening in New Zealand, you're like, girls, will you shut up about this lockdown? It's getting worse and worse in England, but it will get better. There are vaccines. And like Jumanji, the board game does finish and everyone gets an Irish passport. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't exist. So, yeah, that's my top tip. Thank you, Kaylee. Daisy, your response. I liked it. I never considered before how dark a film Jumanji is because yeah. <laughs> I loved that film as a kid. But now you've oh, put it like that. I'm like, yeah. wow, it was a really dark film. Like, I never thought of that. Like, the fact that everyone thought she was 
crazy her whole life. And then the fact she had to get children to, which is never in real life a good <laughs> yeah. idea. Don't get them involved. But yeah, hilarious. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, great. So round two, we have Daisy with check. No one is Darren Browning you. And Kaylee, don't watch Jumanji. Yeah. But like in Jumanji, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So keep Jumanji that in mind. It's a great film, though. It is. I loved it. But, but it's stressful. But, and I don't think we need the stress right now. No, right now, don't watch it. Right now, do not watch it during the apocalypse. And when it gets better, everyone gets an Irish passport. Yeah. Fun fact <laughs> I was like looking up, like how, because my, I know for a fact my grandmother's family is Irish and I'm like how long did they come to America and I looked up and it was too far I was like damn it I can't get Irish passports (laughs) so this is really great I love this also when I first moved to this country people would talk about Darren Brown and I was like I didn't know the author also does hypnotherapy so funny Darren Brown is different than Dan Brown of the Da Vinci Code so fun fact for those those living in the U.S. also speaking of it gets worse before it gets better to our U.S. friends, it's getting a lot worse before it gets better. So anyway, okay, so great. So for this round, I'm going to give the points to Kaylee. Don't watch Jumanji or even Contagion. Also, Kate Winslet, I was listening to an interview with her recently, and she's like, oh, yeah, when uh, COVID started coming out, I started wearing a mask in March because I knew how this thing was going to go because of Contagion. Or, oh, because she was because in she it. Was yeah. in it. She's like, I knew. And everybody was looking at me weird, but I knew. I wore my mask. I didn't care how weird I looked. So yeah, don't watch Jumanji. I would also add, maybe don't uh, watch anything that's maybe sad. But remember, it is. It, it does get worse before it gets better. And it will get better. We just have to tell ourselves that, even if we're lying to ourselves. It will. It will. It will. It will. So two points to Kaylee. And I am going to give a point to Daisy, just because I really like the Darren Brown story. Um <laughs> I just really yeah, liked it. It was, I, good. it was great. And I, I want to watch this. I, even though it's spoiled for me, I know how it ends. I still kind of want to watch it now. Oh, how long it, ago is was worth, this? it was 2012. It's worth watching either way. Though. It is good. A good show. I just, I have a feeling this guy, when COVID came out, he's like, nope, nope. This is no. real. Do <laughs> you reckon he called him like, Darren, is this you? Because <laughs> I'm really being polite to my mum now. I mean, you would be polite to your mum for the rest of your natural born days, wouldn't you? She's like, do oh, you want yeah. a cup of tea? Be like, of course. Can I do of anything course. for you? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So that with that, we are going into round three with Kaylee at two points and Daisy at one. And with that, Daisy, what is your final top tip for surviving the apocalypse? So my final top tip is actually kind of the opposite to Kaylee's previous tip. In my final top tip is watch a lot of zombie films because (laughs) researchers from Penn State University surveyed 300 people and they found that those who were prior to the pandemic fans of horror and zombie movies were more mentally and emotionally resilient to the in the pandemic, uh, in this pandemic. And actually Mm -hmm. zombie movies are so popular that the American Center for Disease Control and Prevention used something called zombie preparedness to teach Mm -hmm. about disaster preparedness and planning. So they use it as like an example of, well, if the zombies came and because it's easier for people to understand than like if a virus came. But having said that, whilst I understand the logic of watching zombie films will make you more prepared because obviously you'll see how different characters deal with it, I am a very anxious person and I've been anxious since I was like 
12 and I worry about everything and always prepare all the worst case scenarios of everything at once. I mean, I would be truly amazing at risk assessment. When I used to be an event <laughs> manager, I actually genuinely was good at doing risk assessments because I could always think of everything that might go wrong. Like, what if everything's set on fire? And what if the ladder fell down? And then what if the ladder fell on fire? Like, I was always like, <laughs> I could do your risk assessment in seconds. Like, there's all the ways everyone in this stadium could die. But I am, um, <laughs> I've always been a worrier. And being a worrier did not help me in this pandemic because I just doubled down on worrying. So I would worry even more than normal because, and actually it was harder because I used to use a CBT app, which was really, really effective because I used to be completely irrational. So when you worry and it's irrational, it's quite easy in a way to control because you go on the app, you go to the exercise, you go, okay, I'm being silly. But when actually like your livelihood is wiped out and you end up living back home and you lose everything, you're not being silly anymore. Like truly like mm -hmm. the arts are fucked, like everything's going badly. So I would say, but I, I maintain my tip watch zombie films because I find the news and the real world very depressing. So actually in a weird way, it might be a bit of a release. So for all kinds of reasons, watch zombie films. That's my controversial final tip. Great. Kaylee, your response? I'm going to directly disagree because I feel like... Um, <laughs> we haven't directly disagreed I in know. ages, so I've kind of missed it. I know. This is why, Daisy, because we could be watching lovely films about poets walking through fields <laughs> and ending the disbelief. So watch that. Watch Jane Campion's Bright Star. Watch... Emily Dickinson, like, yeah, there's just so much more Why you can do watch. I need to watch like I'm a Victorian? Why does it have to be all so <laughs> free? Can I watch like Die Hard or any modern, more modern films? No. No, okay. Just Only stuff about <laughs> oh, no, it. it's great. Because it, it all ends up going okay in the end. It has I haven't seen ending. it. I don't know. Oh. I can't. It has a happy <laughs> ending. I can't condone what I haven't seen. And that okay, is, fair. I've never seen a zombie film. Yeah. That's responsible. Okay. Although I did, I did study Shaun of the Dead in media. <gasps> I love Shaun of the Dead. We actually... Oh, wait, no, that's not what we watch. Hot Fudge. Dawn of but yeah, the oh, yeah. No, hot, Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fudge. <laughs> I said Hot Fuzz. Oh, it hot, sounded like you said oh, hot I, fudge. I thought she said hot fudge as well. I was like, what film is this, Molly? <laughs> that is um, our it's food. a jigsaw oh, film. <laughs> An adult jigsaw film. Um, no, <laughs> it was no. I love Shaun of the Dead, but no. Holly, when I what? first met you, I thought you were so cool. It was a bit intimidating, and I can't yeah. believe that you were hiding all of this. <laughs> I, I I put a big facade. I have a cool armor, and, and you guys are <laughs> looking through it. It's all lies. All lies. Great. Okay, Kaylee, what is your final top tip for surviving the apocalypse? So my final top tip is to practice your survival instincts. So get rural. I've got this book. It's called The Wilderness Survival Guide. It's got loads of top tips in it. Oh yeah, I've seen and that. And it says all the things you can do with like stingy nettles, for example, because if there's an apocalypse, there might not be any flower or loo roll. They ain't going to mm. help you guys. Sting <laughs> nettles are. Basically, you can have stingy nettle soup. You just boil it with water and it's good for you. It's got lots of nutrients. I've got a recipe for stingy nettle burgers here. <laughs> 
The only problem with stingy nettle burgers is you need garlic, eggs, you need parmesan, <laughs> which I can't imagine. <laughs> Being a very easy thing to get a hold of in an apocalypse. Salt and pepper to season. I don't know why you need to season what? your food. And olive oil. So the nettle burgers. an apocalypse, but you can still eat well. It's a waitrose apocalypse. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> But this survival guide is like, I think knowing how to make a fire, it can teach you that. It says if you don't even have a knife or you don't have something sharp, then you can use stones and sharpen them and make a flint fire. I've clearly read the book, as you can tell. (laughs) And yes, it just says survival skills will help us uh, survive in a post world. It doesn't say anything about modern technology in it. Um, It's just purely about manual stuff. Uh, what would be the three things that you took with you on your, if you were like, if it was like apocalypse, you need three things to survive. That's it. Go. Are these things actually to survive? Not like comfort things. These are, these are in our fictional world of playing this. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Molly? I, I would have, cause this does exist and I will explain further later why I know this exists. I would have an acre in a can and it's an acre. It's a bunch of seeds in one can and it's an acre of fruits and vegetables that you can plant. So I would buy that. So I, someone's been thinking about me. Yeah. My best friend and I, this is so, okay. So talking about the CDC's in Atlanta at where I'm from and my best friend and I, I don't know why we're weird, whatever, but we would like talk about things we like what we would do in the apocalypse and how we'd plan and like her brother-in-law at one time I don't know if he still does but he would like not bars of gold but he would buy gold so he would have in case the apocalypse comes and she actually has a can an acre in a can of this and it's and I was like what is it and she's like it's it's like vegetables and root vegetables that I can plant and it's all in this can and because of Brianna I would also have rice because rice lasts so I have my acre in a can I have my rice. Um, and then, oh, this is going to sound crazy, but I would take my pillow because I need a good pillow. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to sleep. So, and I got to sleep because, you know, you need to like be able to survive. You yeah, know, we accept that. Because also, you need a luxury item. So, my pillow is my luxury item. Yeah. Daisy? Well, I would go for a large tent because I think being able oh, to stay dry um will mean you're more likely to survive a bit of shelter water purifying tablets so as long as i find a source of water i've got water and then just like a huge box of macaroon bars which Mm. are these scottish sweet like they're made of like coconut and sugar well there's no Mm. real coconut in it it's just sugar basically they're sugar bars but i feel like that would you wouldn't you wouldn't be very well nourished but I think you could survive on it and then you could find fruit and then you could find seeds that's what I'm guessing yeah because Molly with love you would have your can but then in the few days it would take you to die of like hyperthermia because you've just got a pillow on the ground and no shelter I would then steal your can and now I'm king in this new world I'm I'm going to I'm going to sub out my pillow and take a tent take your tent but I would keep my rice I could eat my rice while my food is growing I wouldn't let you have my tent though for a pillow I would kick you in the face and I would take it <laughs> it is allowed. It's allowed. You've like, won, won the apocalypse game, Molly. <laughs> and I get a point. I get a point for that. Yay. Okay, great. Is that is that it, Kaylee? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't take three items. All I yeah, would take, what would you take is a pen and paper, so I can write. Of course, you will. And you will die of hypothermia alongside Molly, and I'll win the apocalypse game. So, <laughs> no, I'd let you guys. No, I'd take pen. a bow and arrow so I can shoot you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's such a good point because I yeah. was thinking, oh, everyone has to work together. But really, the one who wins is the one with real weapons. I mean, bring yeah. a gun. And the air purifier was a good call, Daisy, because Brianna and I air. used to talk about air purifier. No, I said, oh, shit, I did. What? I meant water. <laughs> well, you never know. The air what? may not be good. You may need a wa- air purifier <gasps> because, you know, there's toxicity in the air. But to Daisy's point, the water purifier would be good. And Brianna and I used to talk about that as we would have water purifying tablets in our, and then actually the American Red Cross has like these backpacks that you can buy and they're like three days supplies of stuff. And they have, they have water, uh, like dried food, water purifiers. Anyway, fun stuff. Okay, great. Uh, Daisy, did you have your response? I don't remember. I'm sorry. I got a bit lost in playing the game, but great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So within around three. Oh, fun fact, Kaylee, that book that you're talking about, our logo is based off of that book. No, it's not. Oh. It is because when I was Googling like survival books, I, <gasps> I saw that in Amazon and I was it like, Ooh. like our logo. I was like yellow and black. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So great. I should get in touch with Joe O'Leary and say, did yeah. some promo for you. Yeah, Joe Larry. Okay, great. So we have in the final round, Daisy, watch a lot of zombie films because it will make you me- more mentally and emotionally resilient. But counter Kaylee's was practice your survival instincts. Great. And specifically that book. I will also say maybe it is because I am from Atlanta and Brianna and I would talk about the apocalypse in February when the stuff in Wuhan was coming out, I started to slowly buy extra things and so we had all the roll and flour yeah yeah i did we did we started i mean i I didn't like do a bunch but it was like i just bought a few little extra things every time i went to the store just in case and like we never ran out is all i'm saying (laughs) anyway okay so for this final round i'm going to give the I'm going to give it two points to Kaylee because I think you do need to survive. I think you do need to practice your survival instincts. I think getting that book, I actually might order that book after we get off from here. So two points goes to Kaylee. I am, I, I did find it was interesting. I did like the fact. So I'm going to give a, a Daisy a point for the fact that watching more zombie films makes people more resilient, emotionally ready and prepared. I, I liked that and I feel it's probably true. But either way, that means that Kaylee has survived the apocalypse. Oh, yes, I am. Four- Two against Daisy. Congratulations, Kaylee. Even with my back mouth. <laughs> Even with my back mouth. Okay, this has been How to Survive Your Life, How to Survive the Apocalypse. If you would like to message us or email us, you can do those things or comment. You can do all of these things. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at how the number two survive pod on Facebook at how to survive your life, or you can email us at how to survive your life pod pod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for everyone who has commented, liked, emailed. We really appreciate it. We love it. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, we would love for you to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this right now. And maybe tell a friend when you're huddled under your tent that the acid rain is raining down. We'd appreciate that. <laughs> I am Molly. Uh, I'm the white horseman of 
the four horsemen. Although there's only three of us. I don't know. Anyway, I'm Molly. That's Daisy. That's adaptable artist Kaylee. And we will see you, talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Music by Jazar. Music by Jazar. Daisy took references from Jules Evans from philosophyforlife.org. Sean Martin, The Express, Alison Escalante, Forbes, and Matilda Bassby, The Independent. Kaylee took references from The Wilderness Survival Guide by Joe O'Leary, Country Living, and Jumanji.